the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. I, of course, am your co-host, J.P. John Paz, and with me, as always, is the star of the show, a former WWE Tag Team Champion, eight-time Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Champion, one of the greatest trainers in the history of professional wrestling. He is the Doctor of Desire, Tom Pritchard. Tom, how are you doing today? Doing great today. It's a wonderful day, as always, and uh, I'm ready. It seems like I have to bring this up almost every week that somebody else is saying something nice about you. I go on Twitter again, and Paige is saying that you're one of the greatest trainers of all time. She's really pumping you up, pumping up SCW. Did you happen to see a lot of positive praise from one page? I did, and that was very, very nice of her again. She also put over Norman Smiley. She put over the Dream, Dusty Rhodes, and uh, she put over her time in FCW. One of the things that I think I, I don't think, I know I read, I don't know if it was her or whoever said something about the uh, FCW bikini contest they used to have. I agree, they were terrible. Uh, but it was a part of what was going on at the time with the vibe. And uh, uh, But she echoed in, I think she, she commented, yes, they, they were terrible. But it was what was happening uh, at that time in FCW. But, uh, yes, I saw the I saw the uh, comments, and I thanked her very much on Twitter as well. And that's very, very nice. Very, very nice of her. You probably never get tired of these guys coming out of the woodwork to give you praise, right? I mean, this is great. Well, I, again, I'm grateful and I'm thankful that, that they're saying nice things as opposed to uh, saying horrible things. So I, I honest to goodness, um, I appreciate it. That's all I can say. Last week on the show, we went back to Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Got a lot of good feedback from that show. Love the time in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. So I figured since we were talking about the Heavenly Bodies, and since we were talking about Cornette Stanley, and I figured why not talk about the gigolo himself, Jimmy Del Rey. We've talked about him here and there on the show. We obviously, we've mentioned the Heavenly Bodies and you know different incarnations and the different runs, but really kind of want to get into Jimmy Del Rey, just you and him, just the focus, because as Stan Lane departs from Smoky Mountain and Jimmy Del Rey forms a team, like I kind of said at the end of the episode last week, somehow in my mind, you guys got better as a team. So the transition from Stan Lane to Jimmy Del Rey, the new heavenly bodies was pretty successful. 
Yeah, it, it was a different team. It was a different look. It was a different uh, vibe altogether, if you will. And Jimmy was a tremendous worker. He was a, he was a hell of a partner. And uh, I remember, I believe it was, Johnson City was the first time he came in to meet everybody. But I had met Jimmy through the years, Bob, uh, Jimmy Backlund. He'd come through Alabama. I think he came through... Oh, gosh, Pensacola a couple times, too. And I had known him casually, um, but really didn't know him a whole lot. But he came in, or I didn't know him real well. Anyway, uh, he came into Johnson City to say hi to everybody. And uh, that first night in, uh, you know, I remember a couple people looking at him going, oh, no, what, what is this? What do we got here? And uh, nobody really knew too much about him. I had seen him work before. I knew he was a fantastic worker. I didn't know him as a person, but um, uh, I didn't care as long as we went out there and and had a hell of a match. And uh, when Stan left, we introduced him as my cousin, I believe, from Delray, Florida. And that's where he got the... uh, named Del Rey, I think, was by looking at the map and it was in Florida and we said, Hey, what about Jimmy Del Rey? Is there Jimmy Backlund? He's gonna be my cousin. And um from the first match, uh in the ring we clicked. He just he he was he was a hell of a performer, hell of a worker. And uh everyone was happy with him. I remember Ricky Morton coming back saying, You know what, man, I judged you all wrong and I you're a hell of a worker. He said it right to his face with all of us standing there and he was happy to happy to be in a program with him is what he said. He is definitely one of those underrated great workers. People don't really realize it. But when they were putting you guys together, did Cornette say anything to you like, Hey, who who do you think should replace Stan or what direction? Do did any of that going or, or yeah yeah jimmy jimmy came to me and asked me if i knew anybody but uh the problem was i did uh but they were either under contract with wcw or, or wwe and uh my first thought would be let's let's put one of the armstrongs in there preferably brad but that certainly wouldn't work because uh <laughs> brad i think turned heel later, maybe during the angle with Smoky Mountain versus the USWA in Memphis, but um, there there wasn't a lot of single uh, or tag team guys out there who would um, be willing to come in and go through what they would have to go through in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. In other words, you, you, we, were gonna, we knew what it was when we got there. It was going to be a territory uh, running three nights a week, four times maybe. And uh, if we, we got the rest of these towns, again, it was a pioneering adventure. We were, we were going to be uh, kind of blazing the trail, if you will, and, and hopefully reaping the rewards afterwards. Uh, and I don't think there were too many guys willing to do that at that time. Jimmy was was in Florida kind of hanging out and uh, working here and there, doing some stuff for WCW, I believe. But, um, yeah, Jimmy came and asked me, but I really didn't have any solid leads, anybody that we could say, yeah, definitely, let's bring them in and see what they think. So it was Kevin Sullivan who actually came up with the idea of Jimmy Del Rey. And uh, Kevin had known Jimmy a lot longer than we had and recommended him, so we took him on his word and 
uh, Jimmy came in, and the rest, as they say, is history. Did you initially think when you transitioned from Stan to Jimmy that, like, oh, you know, okay, this could be a real disaster? Were you nervous at all? Like, okay, this yeah. might not work. Yeah, I certainly was. But uh, I, I was nervous because uh, I, I knew <sighs> – let me. See. I want to say I knew how temperamental I could be at times, and I wasn't sure how uh, that would mesh. And I didn't want to be in a unhappy position or in a position where I would have to either um, go to the ring not liking what was going on, or be in conflict with what was going on. And uh, I wasn't as long as, as Jim Cornette was involved. That, that was fine because I trusted Jim's judgment. And uh, But I was a little nervous and I guess the word is trepidatious uh, about what was going on. I, I, I wasn't sure. after When Jimmy came in, he came into Johnson City smoking a cigarette. And he had one tooth missing. His first, you know, he, 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 he didn't look. The, the, the optics between Jimmy and Stan were, were pretty pretty stark i mean it was um obvious and and but but his work you could not no one could could say anything about his work uh it was just he looked like you know um howdy doody with one tooth missing and he knew it and he got it but you know smoking a cigarette and <laughs> coming in the dressing room it was like eh, okay what's this guy all about and that's kind of where everybody was looking like oh man here he comes and uh, so I, I was I was curious, you know, how how was this gonna gonna work? How were we gonna interact? And uh, I think it was that weekend, first weekend. Um, he stayed over. Oh gosh, I think he stayed over with Brian Hildebrand and those guys in Morristown, and. Uh, uh, went out to a uh, drinking establishment, if you will, in Knoxville, or maybe it was more than I might I think it was Knoxville, though. And uh, pretty much demonstrated that when he walks into a place, he wants everybody to know he's there. And that's pretty much just the opposite of how I was operating back in those days. I, I wasn't... Um, I'd like to go places, but I wasn't big on... Uh, drawing attention and putting the spotlight on us when we walked in. I, I like walking in, checking the place out, getting a feel for what's going on that evening, and uh, uh, taking it from there. But, you know, that was just his personality. And that's, you have to have that personality to stand out. You have to have that personality to, to be a star. You really do. And Jimmy wasn't afraid to let everybody know. Uh, he was there, and and by God, you're going to know it regardless if you want to or not. So, but but after a while, I got used to it, and he just we we he did his thing once we were done, and I did my thing. So the chemistry outside the ring, you could tell right away he was going to be opposite of you, so to speak. Ah, uh, so to speak, in a way, and it's not not to say that we didn't get along, and not to say that we didn't talk. It's just you know. I, 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 um, I liked what I liked, and he liked what he liked, and they didn't always mesh. They didn't always go together, but but that's okay. Um, 
once again, I was I was hanging out with the people I was hanging out with, and he he did his thing. We we just we tried it a couple times. I went out with him a couple times, you know, and we, uh, you know, we 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 shared a room a couple times. But but we just come to find out, you know, when you're on the road, you have enough stress and distractions that when you're done with work and those the, a source of your stress and distractions uh is at work you you want to get away from that and that's kind of how i felt um when when i was done i you know he he rode uh with a whole different crew and so did i so i mean we just yeah, we, we we meshed well in the ring. We did our stuff, and then once we got out, you know, uh, we found that it worked better for both of us. If uh, he does his thing and I do mine, and and we'll we'll see you tomorrow at the building. Do you think that he not that he had a problem, but do you think that that would be a problem that if he's kind of being this loudmouth crazy guy, and you guys are supposed to be at the heavenly bodies? Do you think that that's an issue, or you you don't think people will kind of mix both together? Well. I, I do know this, and I know not only from experience, but from other people's experience. And to be a great tag team, you have to be a tag team twenty four seven. You have to be a team. You have to you have to get along. You have to mesh, and people know that. They know when there's real chemistry outside the ring as well. Take the Freebirds. Take the Heart Foundation. Take any great uh, tag team, Sean and Diesel. Uh, my, my gosh, um, you, you have to. But. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know if uh, the way it was was figured out from the beginning when we came up there. I you know I I, I pretty much had an idea. Uh, we had our matches with the Steiners, we had our matches with the Rock and Roll Express, and we had the Smoking Guns, and then we went and worked with uh, uh, Sean Waltman and Bob Holly, and we, and, and we worked with a couple people, a couple teams, but it it. Um, was never a long-term plan, and I never felt it was a long-term plan. So uh, whether that was a source of frustration or not on both of our ends, I, I think it was um, evident to the guys that we we didn't travel together. We we you know stopped that after a little while because it just wound up to, like I said, I'd rather get there in a good mood and leave in a good mood than get there in a bad mood and be in a bad mood the whole tour. It just didn't work out for me. So, and I'm sure he felt the same way about me. So I'm not just sitting here saying Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. You know, Tom was, was Tom was Tom back then too, and that wasn't always pleasant. So, uh, but yeah, I think people could see that we weren't necessarily we sure as hell weren't the free birds and. You know, we weren't the Heart Foundation, we were the Heavenly Bodies. And we worked, I thought, I do think we had a great team inside the ring. And outside the ring, we, we knew how to get along. And, in fact, I saw Jimmy uh, in August before he passed away. And it was at the um, uh, reunion in Charlotte. And we sat and talked. And I, I told him, and I apologize for being a dick. But that that's just where my head was at. At that time, we we had come from Smoky Mountain. Uh, we didn't start out as a tag team. He kind of took over for Stan. He just kind of got he got thrown in there uh, the night Stan lost. You know, he Jimmy just came back 
we didn't skip a beat. I mean, as soon as Stan was gone, Jimmy was right there. We brought him in the next TVs, and Jimmy said, "This is uh, you know Tom's cousin from Florida, and and he's going to going to take Stan's place." So you know, we were getting to know each other. We while uh, while we we had met through the years, we didn't really. I, I really didn't have longer than a five-minute conversation with them, I guess. Now, all of a sudden, we're thrown together, uh, supposed to be this team, and certainly he has his ideas, and I have mine. And he was a talented guy. He could go to the top rope. He could uh, uh, tell a story. He he just... Um, he, he had his, his work down. I mean, he really did. So it was up to me and and him uh to make it work and you have to be a willing participant and while i was willing i wasn't always uh uh that excited about it you know what i mean mm-hmm. yep but as far as in ring though it did, definitely does seem like you guys meshed really well together and really didn't skip a beat like i said we're almost better than you and stan so it's interesting to think like, okay, you guys must be really, really good workers if you're saying, you know, they're having problems, but the average fan well, like myself can't tell at all. Well, right, right, right. And, and, and I don't want to uh, uh, confuse the two. I don't know that we were having problems as much as uh, I wasn't going to tread on Jimmy's lifestyle and he didn't want to tread on mine uh so if i didn't care for what jimmy was doing then i just didn't hang around it and the same for him um so i I think that was the case and i don't believe it was necessarily uh a problem as uh, my way of looking at it it was just something that um Sometimes I, I, I've always been a loner. I can't explain it. Don't even want to try. But but when you put someone with me who who has this uh, energy and who has this um, knack for going out and wanting to get the attention when we're away from uh, what was what we're, what what work would be, it, it just sometimes it was good. Sometimes it wasn't. But but it always wound up for for when I was when I was around Jimmy. It always wound up with uh, some of that tension, leaving leaving the bar, leaving the restaurant, wherever we went. And I I finally said I don't know why I'm doing this to myself. And I'm sure he said the same thing about me too. I don't know why I'm doing this to myself. So we just kind of split. But you're right. I think once we got to the building, once we understand this is what we're, we're doing and this is business, we're partners. Let's be partners. Let's go out and uh, uh, do what we have to do. And and that was it. I mean, in the, in the end, Jimmy was a pretty good guy and I really enjoyed uh, working with him. But, you know, a lot of times uh, we, we were just on different pages. What about Jimmy Cornette? When you mix Cornette in, obviously him and Stan knew each other for years, Midnight Express, the Heavenly Bodies. What do you think of Cornette mixing in with Jimmy Del Rey? Ah, uh, Jim, see, Cornette could could mix with anybody. And, and Jimmy at that time, as high-strung 
as everyone perceives him to be, and he very certainly can be high strung. Uh, Jimmy, I don't think, bothered uh, Jim Cornette uh, at all. There, there might have been times, but see, when we were on the road and Jim was with us, <laughs> Jim had a had a uh, routine, and we knew his routine, and he did his thing, and we we did ours. You know, so that that's you know, Jimmy separated himself too. If we needed something, or we wanted uh, an answer, or, or needed to uh, know something, Jim was always there for us. But for the most part, if it wasn't, you know, he he needed a break too. So. Uh, whereas, let me use the Freebirds as an example again. Whereas Michael, Terry, and Buddy could could hang out with each other twenty four seven, you know, even even they would get sick of each other. I'm sure at times, and and I think Jim Cornette knew that, and I, I think we all three knew that that there needed to be a time where we each we each had our space and we did our thing. So Cornette was good about that, man. Uh, and Jim was always light and funny and uh, witty. and um, uh, But he didn't like to go to bars. Jimmy, that wasn't his thing. And he would go to his room and, and do whatever he did, and we would go and do whatever we did. So, uh, yeah, Cornette was, I think, in tune with everybody's personality, so to speak. He knew I was a, a very... Uh, I don't. I don't want to say shy, but I was certainly not real talkative early on. And but once I found out uh, where my comfort zone was, I, I fell into it. But it took me a little while sometimes. Del Ray came right in and jumped right in the pool. And 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 more power to him for that. He had a lot more personality. He really did. Uh, and he wasn't afraid of anything. I'll give him that too. He was fearless. So, and I think, but but going back to you know what did Cornette think and how did he mesh? I think Jimmy knew that, and I think he found this out with any teams he managed, from Dennis and Bobby to Bobby and Stan. You know, we all need our space sometimes, and especially if you're on the road and your mind is uh, working the whole time, <laughs> you need to rest it, ring it out, and take a break. What did you think? Of him kind of like going out partying and stuff. What do you think about him getting in trouble? Would would that be kind of a frequent occurrence, or was he just like kind of a loud mouth? <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> you know, uh, let me see. So this was the early '90s, and and I was going to say, you know, in the '80s, it, it was it was a different business certainly than it is now, and than, than it was. Uh, later on in the 90s, but there, there weren't cell phones, or there weren't uh, cameras everywhere. There, weren't, there wasn't a whole lot of there. There was no social media back back then, and back then um, it wasn't just one or two guys that got in trouble. There, there was a lot more. You just didn't hear about it as much. And uh, Jimmy liked to. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy liked to have a good time. He really did, and and he could be um, funny. He could be entertaining, and and then later on, if somebody didn't like it, they could have words or something like that. But it wasn't. Um, it wasn't like he got in a whole lot of trouble all the time. But we all 
got in some trouble some of the times. We just leave it like that. Okay. So let's just say uh, Jimmy Del Rey may be the biggest troublemaker out of the group? No, not necessarily the biggest troublemaker out of the group, but certainly liked to have a good time, and he was not afraid if it uh, got steered um, into some potholes or maybe even into a ditch now and then. We, we did a deal one time. Uh, we were we came up on the smoking guns, Bart and Billy, and we 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 just got done working. We had a we we were doing a program with them. We just got on the road, and uh, I don't remember what town. It might no, I was in the states. I was going to say I thought it was Canada, but I think it was obviously up north somewhere. And uh, they <laughs> they threw something at us. Um, Oh wait, who threw what? We 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 might have we had milk or something, and we sped up. This when we were driving together, we sped up and, and either threw something at them first, or they threw something at us. Anyway, it wound up where we we threw something at each other. It was and wound up with milk on their rental car and all this stuff, and they hauled ass and got to the hotel before us. We stayed in the same place. Well, uh, so the cops had stopped us because that's what it was. They stopped us and the guns went ahead of us, but we weren't far from the hotel. So we pulled over and uh, and Jimmy explained, officer, we, we just got done wrestling these guys and we were playing a rib on them and they threw something at our car, we threw something at theirs. And so come to find out, uh, they believed us, but we said, would you do us a favor? Would you come up and help us rid these guys? They knew who we were. They knew who the smoking guns were. And would you help us do this rib? We wanted to handcuff us and come in. We knew where their room was. Uh, handcuff us and bring us to the room and act like they're looking for the guys who caused the trouble because we said they threw stuff at us first, I guess. Whatever it was, I just remember the cops, they knocked on the door. and <laughs> Thank God it wasn't very smoky in there. Uh, but it it, it it was it was uh, they they had uh, I think a bottle of Jack or whatever and some beer and some girls and some people and it was it was a pretty full room. Uh, but they had us handcuffed and they brought us in. Or actually, they asked somebody to come to the door. Bart came to the door. That's what it was. Outside came outside the room because didn't want anybody coming in. And the cops proceeded to tell them. Uh, these guys said that you threw something at their car, and we're going to take them downtown. Uh, but but they said you were the guys that, that started it. And Jimmy starts crying like he's, he's trying to tell them, oh, my wife's going to kill me. So that kind of tipped Bart off. He knew he was working. He knew he wasn't real. And Billy was a little bit uh, nervous and uh, came out and tried to clear things up. And then all of a sudden, they popped. and. Uh, it, it didn't. It didn't get over like we thought it would. But but that's the kind of stuff that that was one of the instances we did something like that. We were trying to uh, pull a rib on these guys. They knew it was just a rib because Jimmy couldn't keep a straight face. So, um, but you know, it wasn't. I we we would do we would do things similar like that. You know. 
to the guys, and some some of the guys got it, and some of the guys didn't. But I'm not a big ribber anyway, man. I didn't I didn't do any of that stuff. But but Jimmy sometimes felt it was necessary to uh, get a point across. You got kind of lucky though, in a way that the cops recognized you. Yes, we certainly did. Yes, we did. So that and that was cool too. It was right at the hotel where they pulled us over because the guns had sped up, and we told them when they pulled us over right up here, right in this hotel. It's like two blocks away, man. If you follow us, please, we'll show you. And and so that's what they did. And you almost inadvertently blew up their spot. They might have had something going on in that hotel room. You never know. Well, yeah, that's the thing. You never know, and especially in the in the 90s. It was a little bit of layover from the 80s. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was it – was, uh, it was uh, – we were taking a risk. We were gambling on that. You're right. Now, as far as you guys wrestling as a team, and obviously, you know, you're the doctor of desire. He's going to be Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey. Where does that nickname come from? Because it's so fitting and it's perfect for him. Because even if he doesn't, quote, unquote, fit the heavenly bodies, you know, doesn't look like Stan Lane, you know, he's kind of got that look where he's like, Sleazy, but can kind of pull it off where he's not, but he can be kind of charming in, in, in a way. So where does the nickname Gigolo come from? Uh, that was something that he and Jimmy actually came up with, or I think uh, I think Del Rey himself might have uh, uh, might have thought of. But I, but I believe it was um, because he was in Florida. Job, he was a Gigolo. And if you looked at him, uh, once again, he had the howdy duty face, the red hair, the big belly out. And, uh, <laughs> we, you know, somebody said the other day, uh, watching 80s wrestling, you know, you're looking at these guys, you weren't in the best shape. I said, well, that's, that's who I was watching, the 70s guys. So that's what I was watching. I thought to be a wrestler, you had to be fat. So I was trying all my career to be fat. <laughs> so I finally, I finally achieved that goal. But Jimmy came in, and, and he did the dance, too. He did the wiggle. And so he said, well, the gigolo, Jimmy Del Rey. And uh, it was even better because he he certainly didn't look like your typical gigolo. Uh, but, you know, he did the dance. He wasn't shy. He, he went out and performed. So, I mean, I handed it to him. He, he was the guy, you know, who's going to be that um, that that loud, obnoxious voice outside, you know, and even inside the ring. But, um, you know, he, he was the gigolo, and uh, he believed it. I mean, he really believed it after a while, which is good. I guess that is a good thing. I, 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 you have to have confidence. He had it. It, it. Confidence is a great thing. You have to have it if you're going to be successful. You have to. So as you go along, Rock and Roll Express and you guys are kind of exchanging the tag titles. You know, if you'll win it, then they'll win it. Uh, as we go into '94, then you know, then um, they be you guys, and it's kind of going back and forth a little bit. But during this time, like we mentioned before on the show, you are also going to be in the WWF. So as you're kind of going back and forth to both places, WWF and Smoky Mountain. Is Gigolo saying like let's let's hopefully we go full time with WWE or WWF at that point? 
or is he okay with kind of going back and forth and maybe saying Smoky Mountain? No, he he was okay going back and forth. I think both of us were at that time because none of us, neither one of us uh, really knew what was going on. When we started this thing, we had got, we had worked with Dory Funk Jr. and Dick Murdoch in Amarillo for a special show. And uh, Dory booked this for uh, Giant Baba um, in Japan. I think it was, might have been February of, gosh, February of 91 or 92. I don't, I don't remember. But we went and we had already been offered a contract with WWE, WWF, whatever. And, um, 1994. We, 1994, okay. Mm-hmm. So we had already been off the contract, and we go to Baba for three weeks, maybe four weeks, whatever it was. Uh, and Baba offers us a contract. Say, I can give you, oh, what is it, 24 weeks out of the year, or it was six, 12, yeah, maybe I think it was like four tours, six weeks apiece, something like that. And um, we, we had to say no because we we had just been off of this contract with WWF and uh, we we're going to be in the states. And I thought, well, Japan would be nice, but you know, you have Abdul the Butcher, Stan Hansen, uh, gosh, who else at that time? You, you have Fantastics. Uh, some other guys, and I wasn't quite sure how that would have played out because, you know, I, I enjoyed going to Japan for a few weeks, but after that, um, I, I was ready to come back home. And I love Japan was great. It's just it's pretty cool, but I didn't know. I don't know about <sighs> staking my money and, and living over there or, or, or making a living over there. And now here we are, we have an opportunity. Because hopefully I thought we were going to get, I thought, I would hope that we would get some uh, merchandise. I thought we'd get a chance. I thought we'd get an opportunity. But we, and while we got all that, we just had to follow through. And that, again, is on us for not doing so. The All Japan Tour, or tours, really, I mean, you would spend a couple weeks over there, but pretty fascinating to see who the heavenly bodies would work with over there, whether it's a lot of the the Japanese greats or even a t- team like Abdul the Butcher and the Giant Kamala, the Fantastics. You guys, the Furnace and LaFond, I mean, you guys work with a, a lot of different teams over there. And you said overall good experience. You like that kind of style? Sure. I mean, yeah, I like Japan. I, I liked it. Uh, the, the style is, is – the only difference in the style is – the fans react differently. You you have to it, – it's it's a solid style no matter what. And I don't mind solid. I just don't like stiff. Uh, and the difference is solid, you lay it in safe places, and you're going to lay it in. But stiff is when, you, when you're getting hurt all the time. It wasn't – it wasn't – didn't have anything to do with that. It's just the fact that getting on a plane and, and flying however many hours over there, getting off, taking a day to get acclimated, and um, then – if you're going to be in that mix, then you're going to be in that mix, and you're you're pretty well, you know, out, out of the states. You're, nobody can use you in the states because you have to go to a tour every four weeks, and 
And I just thought WWF would be an opportunity for us. And I think Jimmy, I'm, I know Jimmy felt the same way. But, um, I mean, we liked it. It's just, I, I, I didn't see us, the Fantastics had a spot over there. And, and Abdullah had a spot, a spot over there. Uh, you know, people had spots over there. I didn't see where our spot would work in. And uh, we had already done stuff with rock and roll over here, and we had done stuff with the smoking guns and and the Steiners and things like that. So I just was uh, – uh, we had been offered the contract first by Vince, too, so why not? Makes sense. You don't have to make that long trip all the yeah. time uh, over right. there. Right. Now, with that, so basically right before the All Japan trip, you, you have the, you know, quote-unquote loser leaves town – steel cage match the rock and roll express beat you guys so theoretically you know you lose the tag titles at the bluegrass brawl so you end up signing with vince mcmahon in the wbf and that's kind of where you're headed but you know in a year's time you'll head back to smoky mountain was the door really always open if you wanted to to go to smoky mountain kind of was it one of those things where yes we have a deal with wbf but we still can work with smoky mountain was that written into the contract at all uh, it wasn't written into the contract. The, the contracts back then were <laughs> there were no guarantees. I mean, really, there were no guarantees on this contract. We were just we just signed a contract, but but with the arrangement and the agreement um, uh, and the relationship with with Jimmy Jim Cornette, uh, of course. Uh, the the door was always open for us to go back, and and that's eventually what happened anyway. And uh, you know we we were hoping for a better run. I'm sh- I know I was. I, I was hoping, but you can't just hope. You have to actually uh, be proactive. And I was. Neither one of us were, were very proactive. We were just happy to be there, and that that was the wrong way to be. Uh, but but I'm sure. The door was always open because eventually, and that's uh, also at the time when Smoky Mountain was having a doing an angle with um, USWA. It was Memphis versus you know West Tennessee versus uh, East Tennessee, I guess. And and we came back for that. Worked with PG thirteen and some other other teams, whoever that was. I don't remember now. But but yeah, I think the door was always open. I think. Jimmy knew we were always going to come back. Overall, were you and Jimmy Adelray like unhappy with the WWF run? I mean, they didn't really focus too much on tag teams, really. I mean, head shrinkers, men on a mission, smoking guns, but overall, they didn't really put too much focus on their tag team division. No, no, they didn't. And I think it was, once again, I can only speak from my side of it. Uh, I, I was really trying just not to make waves or cause any problems. I really was. And um, that's another reason why I, I kind of went off on my own, because if, if, if nobody sees me, they can't say they did. And, yeah, I think we were both disappointed because it kind of ended uh, the way it did. But... um. I think we both understood that's the wrestling business too. And if we would have got together, if we would have maybe buckled down and uh, gotten a little smarter about things, then 
And it might have been better. We don't know. I mean, it it ended and it happened the way it should have happened, obviously. Uh, but but I learned from that, and I've learned from that, uh, especially over the last twenty years with teaching and coaching, uh, because once the heavenly body run ended and went into the body Donna gimmick, which was oh my gosh, talk about a nightmare. But um, then I realized. After that, once I started coaching and once I started going in the office and uh, showing up for the meetings and listening to not just events but the writers and uh, various people talk about talent and the way it was discussed and how it was all put into motion, it, it gave me an insight into, look, the work is backstage and what we do in the ring is, is important, but not as important as how we, how you conduct yourself uh, backstage and how you're perceived by the office and the writers and the bookers and the people involved who make the decisions. So um, while I understand that and learn that, I, I still had, I think, uh, a lot of disappointment because I always knew that it was just common sense. I think I, I know it was disappointing that we, I, I just couldn't apply it when I had the opportunity. So the smoky mountain wrestling is the doors open. You head back there and really kind of go on, on a bit of a roll. And we talked about it briefly in some other episodes, but guys like the bruise brothers and uh, guys like, the gangsters and, and uh, these different kind of styles and these these different matches. Is that something that was always kind of appealing to you that like, okay, we could wrestle the same match. I mean, rock and roll express is going to be awesome. And night off, but that's going to be great. But let's try to try it out against the bruise brothers and let's wrestle guys like the gangsters really, really go completely different as far as different styles. Yeah. I, I, I did enjoy that, and i got to tell you, the first time we worked with the gangsters, I, I believe it was in Johnson City because I remember New Jack coming off uh, the apron with a great flying clothesline, and it was one of those things. It uh, wasn't stiff. It was solid, and that's when I knew these guys understood, and they got it. They, they, they understand you got to lay that stuff in, and you've got to be convincing. And they were in the South, and and they were just starting out. And uh, I don't know how long they've been together, but but hadn't been that long because I think they really cut their teeth in Smoky Mountain, and then they finally wound up in ECW. But that was that was where New Jack, Mustafa, and D'Lo all got together. And when we had matches with them, you could feel that tension, you could feel that danger, you could feel there was something about these guys that. Uh, you, you weren't sure what they were going to come off with, but in the matches we had, I could tell they were safe, uh, in the sense that it might've looked crazy and it might've looked dangerous and it was crazy and it was dangerous. It was authentic, uh, but they did their part and then it was up to us to do our part. In other words, if they were going to do the move off a balcony or whatever it is, we had to do our part in catching them and making sure we didn't get hurt either. So, And they understood that, and we understood it. Uh, the Bruce Brothers the same way. I've known those guys, gosh, a long time before they got to Smoky Mountain. And then here they come. And uh, Ron and Don both 
great guys, <laughs> really, really entertaining and funny, but they're big, dangerous guys. If they want to hurt you, they're going to hurt you. And if they don't like you, they're going to hurt you. And uh, at that time, <laughs> at that time, they liked us, uh, but they also wanted to play with us sometimes and just, just to do stupid shit and, like, power slam us or, or press us and and lay stuff, which, which is fine. They'd lay stuff in. They'd hit us with chairs, and we'd hit them back. But, uh, you know, th- those were fun matches, yeah, th- to have that opportunity. And Jimmy never bitched or complained about anything. Uh, always went out and took it, always went out and did the best. Um, and, and he could fly, you know, Del Rey could fly off the ropes, too, and do the same kind of stuff right back to him. So, uh, it was it was cool. I, yeah, I did enjoy that. Love how the heavenly bodies can go from wrestling the Bruce Brothers, the Gangsters, the Armstrongs, the Thrill Seekers, the Steiners, anybody, and still have a good match. Is that something you guys always kind of held to high regard? You really could work with anybody. Uh, I'd like to think we could. I really do, um, because. Our, our two teams to go out there, your job is really working for the match. You have to realize you have a partner and have some double-team moves and, and have something to make uh, the other guys look good, too. One of the things that I'm, I'm even more proud of is uh, when we worked with the Thrill Seekers in the Coliseum here in Knoxville, when Jericho was practicing his shooting star press before the match and breaks his arm. And we had just got done. I mean, that afternoon just got done taping four weeks of promos and and interviews and all this stuff, Uh, you know, leading past this match, you know. Um, So what was going to happen in the match, we're talking about for four weeks, you know, prior uh, in the future here. And Chris goes out and breaks his arm, changes everything. But, you know, we went out. And I don't know if you've seen that match or not, but it's a night of legends. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, if you watch, you know, Jericho slamming us with one arm, he's giving us one arm body slams and we're trying to take care of him. And I think for the most part we did. And, um, so while Lance and Chris certainly held up their part of the match, uh, and Chris, especially my gosh, when we're, he's, we're beating him bloody about the face, and he he sells like uh, well, like he means it, like it like it's real, and it was real, and and that's authentic, and that's that's uh, it. It took all four guys that night, so I'm very proud of, of something like that where we worked around a broken arm that afternoon. He still went out and he had to pull it off, but I mean, uh, we wanted to work around it. We sure as hell didn't want to make it any worse for him. So yeah, we, 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 I think both of us, Jimmy and I, and even Jimmy Cornette take great pride in going out there, telling a story and having great matches with anybody. And I definitely want to delve into United the legends uh, on a separate episode. I mean, go even deeper into the thrill seekers and then that match, but to kind of just keep talking about heavenly bodies and just all the great matches and all the teams you faced, Tracy Smothers and Dirty White Boy, the thugs, another completely 
different team than you know than the thrill seekers and the gangsters and you guys are able to have a good match with them too it's one of those things it's like wow throw these guys in the ring with anybody and they'll make them look good well that, that's pretty much what we thought too i mean we we were uh, sure as hell hope we went in the ring with we knew what we were going to do we knew we knew what we had to do and uh with the dirty white boy and tracy especially um you know <laughs> Uh, Tracy Smothers, and I said this, gosh, a couple weeks ago at his uh, benefit show. He he was the real deal. To this day, he's still the real deal. Even even with all his um, issues going on, Tracy is still the wild-eyed Southern boy. And here in Knoxville, here in here in the great state of Tennessee, if you will, uh, people still know what it's like to be from the mountains because we <laughs> they live in the mountains up here there's pigeon forge there's severeville there's mountains all over the place and in the great smoky mountains hence smoky mountain wrestling and people know authenticity when they see it when they hear it when they feel it and tracy smothers and dirty white boy they are authentic tennesseans and they came to the ring and that was another night where uh i think it was uh white boy who bash my head in the turnbuckle like I don't know how many times and all of a sudden they come out and uh, blood is everywhere and the end of the match uh, JC wanted Tracy to backdrop me on the table and break the table but you know as we were wrestling we were getting sweaty and uh, here comes the backdrop and all I do is I hit the table and slide and uh, so we needed we needed the table to break that was the story so so without missing a beat tracy picks me up puts my head between his legs for a pile drive and i'm going oh gosh and uh he sets me up pile drives me through the table we break the table and i'm thinking well that was that was okay i didn't uh i didn't die so we're good but yeah that was uh, every time we stepped in the ring uh we we had an idea where we wanted to go with it and the the people of East Tennessee um, never failed us. You had wrestling fans back then who who wanted to get lost in the moment, who wanted to get who wanted to hate Jim Cornette, who wanted to hate the Heavenly Bodies, who wanted to cheer uh, their heroes. And and man, it was a lot of fun. It really really was. This is interesting that the WWF basically and in the later part of '95 decide not to sign you guys are re-sign you guys and kind of bring you guys back. So really you're until the end of 95, really November of 95 when Smoky Mountain closes the heavenly bodies are the tag team champs. So they're closing and the WWF isn't, isn't going to re-sign you guys. Is that like a trouble time for you guys or you're a little bit nervous? Like, okay, this is strange. Smoky Mountain's closing for some reason. WWF is not bringing us back, even though we're, you know, we're a great team. Any uh, nervousness from you guys at this point? Well, there was, uh, yeah, there there was obviously some some things going on, and we weren't sure how to address it, and uh, so <laughs> we thought, okay, um, let's let's just take a step back here and figure out what we need to do. So uh, that's that's when it came the time that. You know, Jimmy decided he would rather uh, stay in Florida and, and stay around there. He he was married at the time, too. And uh, I was in Houston. 
So we both, I, I think we both have been talking to various people, but he, he had a connection in WCW, and I uh, at that time wasn't really interested in going to WCW, and that's when I got the call uh, about, hey, would you like to cut your hair and dye it blonde and look like mm. Chris? And absolutely not. I would not like to do that. Okay, <laughs> great. Click. Yeah. So I mean that yeah, but there was there was a lot of nervousness because um but we'd we'd ran our course and, and we knew we didn't look, neither of us were doing what we should have done. We 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 both should have been in the gym, we both should have been proactive, we both should have got to know teams better, we both should have been pushing for stuff, but but we didn't. And um so when that day came, which I don't think necessarily surprised either one of us, but uh, when it came, we still went, damn, <laughs> you know, why, why can't you, or why couldn't we find something? Why couldn't we come up with something? But it was just, it was the way it was supposed to happen. And, uh, uh, Jimmy went to WCW and did his thing there and had friends there. And I went to, uh, uh, back to WWF at that time. And, uh, Floated down that river, man. It was, oof, it was what it was. The Heavenly Bodies, you and Jimmy Del Rey wrestled for ECW, obviously Smoky Mountain WWF, the USWA, All Japan, a bunch of indies together. It is great to kind of see that that tag team worked in all these different places. But like you said, they ran their course, and basically they kind of was a parting of ways. Was the parting of ways one of those things where you're like, okay, you know, not thank God I'm rid of this guy, but okay, like it's over. We don't need to revisit that. Heavenly bodies are dead and buried for good. Uh, I I don't think it, that much thought was put into it. I, I think it was just one of those things that um, we knew when it happened. Uh, I was going to go my way. Jimmy was going to go his way. We We really never got to the point where we thought, okay, I go where you go and vice versa. Uh, it was one of those things that, you know, we, we came into this world alone, we're going to leave it alone. <laughs> it was one of those things that if it came up, okay, but if it didn't, okay. Uh, and we went to these various places. And, and again, you know, at that time, um, we, we both had our views of of the way things should be and they didn't always mesh but we didn't fight about it we just knew that okay this is what you're thinking this is what i'm thinking how do we make this work what do we do how do we compromise and we did we, we found a way to compromise go to the ring every night and do what we did ecw was a lot of fun and some of these independents we went to were a lot of fun they, they were very enjoyable uh but as far as being that that team where uh you know <laughs> we're going to call each other every day and see how things are going it wasn't it i mean um i respect i i still respect jimmy Dillray. i respected him then for everything he did but as i said we just were different people outside the ring so a side note here a little bit of a trivia dr tom pritchard a part of the first and last Smoky Mountain Tag Team Champions in history. First with Stan and the last with Jimmy Del Rey. Did you even realize that? Uh, 
I did not until you just said that. That's pretty cool, huh? Yes. Well, for, for for how long was Smoky Mountain in business? Four years? Five years. Uh, almost five, yeah, between four okay. and five, basically, yeah. Okay. Well, and, and once again, I mean, it was it was a great idea. It was just the, the timing wasn't there. It was the business was changing. And um, for an old school territory, it would have it would have worked great. It did work great for the first couple of years, you know. But but it was still a pioneering uh, adventure. We you know you were going to go out and lay the groundwork for what's to come next. And while we were capable of doing that, the world was changing. Territories were, were becoming extinct, and you just you were spinning your wheels after a while. And Jim Cornette was doing it all on his own. I mean, he was booking this stuff. He was. I don't. I don't know if Jimmy gets enough credit for that, but he. But he did it. I mean, and uh, he put up with. <laughs> he put up with a lot of characters, including myself. And you know, part of the job of a booker, well, a big part of the job of a booker is, is mixing and matching the personalities and get the most out of it. And um, Smoky Mountain was a was a great idea, and I wish it could still go today, but uh, it, it would just be impossible. You'd be spinning your wheels. As far as kind of Smoky Mountain and the Heavenly Bodies, you got to give me what you think. Better team chemistry-wise in the ring, Stan Lane and you or Jimmy Del Rey and you as far as the Heavenly Bodies? Well, okay, well they're two different. Again, it's obviously just, just two completely different different entities um you know stan was more uh, here's the deal stan was more easygoing stan was more um uh let's not rock the boat and at the same time even when he rocked the boat it wasn't like he's rocking the boat it was just stan uh tinkling the ice in his drink if you will you know whereas jimmy would come in with a baseball bat and just knock every door down he could um not not a bad thing just two different personalities and the chemistry i think was there with stan and certainly jimmy too so i can't pick one or the other stan was was um definitely he had the uh, fan, uh, fabulous ones and the Midnight Express under his belt, so that was his credibility. When he left, then we brought in Jimmy Del Rey, who who a lot of people had not heard of yet. Just by optics alone, he did not look the part. But what changed everyone's mind is when the bell rang, and that was impressive. And that was the uh, the part about the uh, the team that I really enjoy. You know, Stan Stan would do Stan stuff and that was great. But when Jimmy came in he brought a whole new dynamic to it. And Jimmy went to the top rope and Jimmy Jimmy did the moonsaults. Jimmy Jimmy liked to fly and you know, I, I was okay being on the ground. So uh they they both I can't I can't say one over the other anymore. I really can't. Uh I thought they both were great. And there were elements of both that I really enjoyed. There were elements of both that I didn't. But it worked out the way it was supposed to work out. And really, as far as I know, the last time you guys really ever teamed as a team was in ECW against the public enemy. I don't know if you guys ever teamed again after that. It was December of 95. Wow. 
I do, yes, and I, I do remember uh, our match. <laughs> I remember that match because the public enemy um, asked us which which uh, which table do you want to go through. <laughs> and I looked at I looked at him and said, "Wait, wait a minute, man." He said, "Yeah, we, we got four tables out there. Which one do you want to go through?" I thought, no, I don't really want to go through any tables right now because I really wasn't feeling like getting hurt. And Jimmy said, oh, yeah, man, I'll, I'll take it. I'll go through the table. So uh, they, they did, I think, a moonsault spot off the t- onto the table, and, you know, he broke two of them, I think, that night. Could be wrong, but I think it was two. Uh, and and I, like, I like Johnny Grunge, and I like Ted Petty. Um, it, that was a lot of fun. That was a great that was a that was a fun fun match and that was fun. ECW was a fun locker room. I mean, it was it was a pirate ship, and I couldn't wait to get on board every time I came. Man, it was great. We will definitely get into ECW down the line in uh, in a further episode, just to kind of delve even deeper into that and kind of uh, get into the weeds a little bit on that. But I think that's a great stopping point for Jimmy Del Rey, and I want to ask you about. What in the world is going on at JPWA? You know, it's got a lot of stuff going on over there. Well, we do, and they just came out with the announcement, I think it was this week, about the FCW documentary coming yeah. out in a couple of weeks, and that's yeah. what I was talking about. They came down, and uh, uh, we we did about four hours. I don't know what they're going to keep and what they're going to cut. They might, I hope they cut a bunch of it because, man, I got really – you want to talk about getting in the weeds. Uh, but – yeah, they came down. Uh, looking forward to the uh, FCW documentary. JPWA is uh, rolling along. We just recently had our fantasy camp. Uh, we had 14 people show up and had a great time. Uh, you can find out all you need to find out at jpwrestlingacademy.com about training. And our next session starts in April, I believe. Uh, yeah, April, April 6th, I think it is. It's on the website. Either way, I don't have my book in front of me. But um, we're rolling right along, and uh, it's it's it keeps us busy. That's all I can say. Also, check out the JPWA on Patreon. You can check out some videos, some tips, some really good stuff on there. So just type in JPWA on Patreon. Become a patron and support them in that way. Also, check them out on ProWrestlingTees.com. JPWA has a store, and Dr. Tom has a store. I said it once, I'll say it again. If you don't want the Dr. X shirt, definitely get the Wanted Dead or Alive shirt. I love that one. Yeah, it's a very cool shirt. We've got some really nice shirts on there. Check it out. You can follow us at Two Man Power Trip. You can follow Dr. Tom at Dr. Tom Pritchard. Our website is tmptempire.com. And, of course, like he just mentioned, jpwrestlingacademy.com for everything at JPWA. Now, Dr. Tom, you got some upcoming appearances going on. We do. I have uh, one that's going to be, uh, oh, gosh, again, I don't have a book in front of me. We're going to see um, ICWA Arena in Jeffersonville, Indiana in two weeks uh, for Ian Rotten. And I'm also going to be doing a seminar in Raleigh, Mississippi. Um, oh, man, in, in a couple of weeks as well. Doing a seminar, then there's a show on Saturday night. Uh, let's see here. And Al Snow is going to be involved. A lot of people, man. But we have some uh, 
have some. I, I'm, I'm traveling for the next couple of weeks. Nice. Keep Doctor Tom busy. I love it. Yeah, me too. I do. All right. I, obviously, please everybody listen to this show each and every week. Enjoy yourself. But of course, if you see Doctor Tom in your town, definitely go up and meet and greet him. Get an autograph. Take a picture. You're gonna love what you're hearing from Doctor Tom, as I love to hear each and every week on Taking You to School with Dr. Tom Pritchard. See you next week, folks. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.